lumière du cinéma se reflète partout. La foule sort, se disperse. Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry Theories podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, <laughs> Ali Malik. <laughs> Hello. Welcome to the podcast, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Ali is a queer poet. Uh, he's been in England for just all, nearly three years now. Originally from Dubai. Uh huh. Uh huh. And uh, he's released his first poetry collection, Baby Teeth. Uh, on the back says, uh, Baby Teeth is the second poetry book by Ali Malik, following 2020's Traditional Kids. Ali makes it clear that they have found their voice as a storyteller through the poetry. Uh, so That's tell me. us about this collection. Baby Teeth is it's a collection of mistakes. Um, that's where it stemmed from. That's where it originally grew from. Um, it stemmed from sitting down in isolation and during the second lockdown and having absolutely no inspiration because I just started being on medication um, and antidepressants are notoriously famous for stripping away all that creative freedom. So it was just like a lot of sitting down and having all these thoughts that wasn't able to be translated onto paper. Um, and it took for me to sit down and really reassess a lot of big portions of my life that I hadn't thought about in ages to be like, there is something here. There's something that I need to be working on. I, I don't know what it is, but I know that there is something that I have to work out. And it was six months of being stuck back home for the first time since I had moved to England and having all those memories all around me again. And it was specifically my mom showing me my actual jar of baby teeth that she still for some reason has, but so she still I'm not, has it. she still has them. <laughs> She's kept them all these years. And at first I was really weirded out, but then I didn't really realize at the time that it was going to become something that was so special to me. And it took for me to see that again and be like, there is a metaphor here. There is a story here. And I wrote down the term baby teeth in my notes app and didn't think about it again for a couple months. Um, it's, a, it's a great title, I think. Thank you. It, it's become kind of like a mantra for me as well now. Um, it just, to me, baby teeth literally just means growing, making mistakes, it falls off and you grow another pair. It's just mm. a continuous loop of a cycle, essentially. Um, and you have earrings today? Is that, I have. Is that real yeah. It's resin, unfortunately. It is okay. resin, but there, I'm hoping to make jewelry out of my actual baby teeth one day. Um, might have to ask my mom to send it in the post for me. Yeah. Although I don't think the post office will be very happy with that. <laughs> but <laughs> hey ho, anything for art. Um, yeah, it, it took until I came back to England having that title in my notes app and um, the little introduction in the book that talks about where the book in was inspired from actually mentions a new album, Yellow Shirt, Olive Skin. Um, and that was the setting that was the day that I wrote the first poem for the book, which was Baby Teeth. Mm. Um, it was a park near my house and it was a very, very sunny day. And it was, if anyone was curious what the album is, it was Lord's Solar Power album. Um, and it was just headphones in, watching all the people. And it just vomited out of me. And I was like, okay, there is something here that I'm working out. And mm. the rest of it. So you be. you had the idea when you were back home, but yeah. then all the writing happened when you were in Brighton. Absolutely. What yeah. do you think that was? I think Brighton's always been my creative muse, and it's always been the place that I've gone to to find my energy that I don't have back home. I think 
back home is where I get to experience and reassess and live, but Brighton's where I can actually vocalize that and bring it in together and thread the little words. Mm. Um, I think it also does stem, stem from like just a life over there that I don't associate with anymore. So it's kind of like when I am there, my brain restricts itself and it's like, mm. I'll feel these feelings for you, but I won't let you go anywhere with it. Yeah. But Brighton's freedom for me. So Is that's that like a distance to the experience? Definitely, absolutely. I mm. um, think with traditional kids, the first book, most of those, well, all of those poems were written um, from when I was still living in Dubai, but those were all from my childhood. It was like, it was like a collection of poetry that I'd written from when I was 14 till 18, probably. Mm. So it was just kind of like a collection of, this is who I am, this is who I was. Whereas Baby Teeth is, this is who I am now, and this is who I'll probably be. So forever. you're really a young writer then. You started. Yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. I um. When did you start writing, and why? I think, thirteen or fourteen was when I started writing. Um. And you're twenty-one now. I'm twenty-one now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always English was always my favorite subject at school. It was always what I excelled at the most, and my teachers would always tell me that I've got something there to work with. Um, and we. <laughs> You know when you were like in year four and you wrote those really stupid poems in like poetry classes and you're like, oh, this is really bad, but the teacher likes it for some reason. <laughs> but I always got really high acclaim on that. So it was just like in the back of my mind, it felt like there was something there to work with. Um, it was a certain trip that I take into Iran where I'm originally from. Um, and it was a car ride I had with my family. And it was the first time in my life that I felt an overwhelming sense of feelings that needed to be expressed in a way that wasn't just vocal um so i took down took down those feelings on my notes app and wrote my first poem with it that i probably don't even remember at this point what it, it's in a little book i've got somewhere in my house but um that's where it started for me it was just overwhelming feelings that needed to be put down and i think that's the one thing from my poetry from then till now that's still not changed mm -hmm. um i only write when i have this massive overwhelming feeling. Um, I know like a lot of people like to do this thing of like write at least a line or two every day because that's how it works for a lot of people and that's so, so cool. But for me, it's just always been feeling too much and then- Vomiting it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It just has always worked out the best way for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and um, we, s we saw you perform last night mm -hmm. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, at where was it? The, the Foundry. The Foundry. Yeah. I've got something to say by Basie Gracie. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. and uh, it you said something really beautiful mm. uh, last night as well that, that reminded me of what you were talking about mm. here, with, which is you know you felt like you you want to you want to make a mark, you want to yeah you you feel like you need to express yourself to um, the the creation of this book. There's yeah. something physical that exists beyond you in the yeah. in the world. Absolutely. Um, it was really, you know, it's really beautiful, really special when you Thank said that you. last night. Thank you. And it's, that. yeah, for me, um, I've always had a really bad fear of being forgotten about. It's always been my biggest fear in life. Um, it could stem from the fact that I'm also an only child, so I don't really have any siblings to reach out to, really. Um, but for me, it used to be just writing poetry for myself, and then releasing it was kind of, a cathartic feeling of having other people relate to me and understand me and maybe me understanding other people at the same time. So having a physical book now, it kind of marks my place down on this massively strange planet somehow and 
if I were to not be here any day, I've got the book to kind of commemorate my existence in some format. And I think in a way this book is a lot about queerness. Yes. When when did you start writing about queerness? (sighs) Honestly, I think I think queerness has always kind of been woven into my writing somehow. Um, Not always explicitly, not always writing about queer experiences, but it's always been because of my own queerness. It's always been an identity within the poems regardless. Yeah. Um, But it took for me to kind of become more comfortable with having myself be exposed to other people as well, to write about specific experiences that I've had within my own queer identity. And about, when was it? I think it was around a year ago now that I kind of came to terms with my genderqueer identity um, and kind of being a bit more gender free and not specifically fitting into the male kind of category that I think Baby Teeth kind of goes into a little bit more as well. Um, than I ever have in any of my writing in the past. But it also is the first book that I've actually openly talked about people that I've dated, um, which I call myself the Taylor Swift of the poetry community sometimes (laughs) (laughs) because that is a big inspiration when it comes to my writing a lot, but Mm, it is what it is. There's a lot of poets who love Taylor Swift. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. (laughs) And how do you think that Brighton influenced you or inspired you? in writing about these topics? I think I've never felt create, uh, queer liberation like I ever have anywhere else in my life than I have in Brighton. I think just living here and seeing the people and all the colors and the little fun stuff has always been like a motivation for me to kind of push my own um, freedom in terms of writing about it. Um, and just all the friends that I've made, all the queer friends that I've made living here have been incredible inspiration to be able to make myself feel more comfortable about writing it. I think just the people, it's just every day that I've left my house, I've seen 20 different types of people that all inspire me in some form without them even knowing that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I love writing so much. People are just so happy to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes a poetry writer's life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the collection is called Baby Teeth, mm-hmm. and um, we've picked a poem mm-hmm. from it, yes. and you've picked one as well. I have indeed. Um, do you do you want to read it? Yeah. Yeah. Which one are we reading? <laughs> <laughs> Just show me the content page. Is that a milk teeth you're reading? Um, yeah, which was the, which was the one you performed last, last night? Last night, Baby Teeth, the poem. Baby Teeth. So you just invented Milk Teeth. There's no. <laughs> there's no poem called Milk Teeth. No, there is. It is. A, it's a. It's a, a chapter oh, introduction. It's a chapter. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'm <laughs> 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 very confused for a second. <laughs> oh, chapter one. Okay. Yeah, Should I read the um, introduction and then the poem? That could be cute. Yeah. yeah. Chapter one, Milk Teeth. It's the mistakes that I'm making, choices I'm dealing, tough crowds I'm pleasing, sad nights that I'm healing. It's the love that I'm begging, so close that I'm teething, but is it wisdom that I'm leaking, or heartbreak I'm yearning? Maybe it'll come together, all the places I'm pointing figures at. Maybe milk teeth are falling, and new motors are blinking. And then 
Um, so the poem itself is called Baby Teeth. Between a patch of wet grass and another sits crunchy leaves. I'm sure they've all been stepped on, like kids who can't wait to turn 16. Ducks trying to sniff out their owners, girls in blossoming relationships, or a writer who's been clueless too long. Summer's slowly fading out. I've loved the hot nights, the cold days, the friends that waved away, the new folks that know too much. And my hair's become curlier, my emotions heightened. I think I'm ready for love, a new life. All my secrets have come out to the open. If you kiss me, you only taste sweet tangerines. I love your coffee breaks, but I'm ready for dinner parties. Puberty is a state of mind. My baby teeth are out, and those shiny new pair. That was the b best anyone could read it for me, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's excellent. Thank really you. We thank we heard it you. last night and hearing it again, it's just yeah. just as delightful. <laughs> it's mm. nice hearing it from someone else's perspective because I've read that poem so many times at this point that I'm sick of hearing myself sing, yeah. <laughs> reciting it. <laughs> it's like witnessing. Something. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice to see. It's yeah. an interesting yeah. question, actually. How much joy can you get from reading your own poetry? <laughs> Honestly, this is the thing. Like, I've I've been so vocal about this book. Um, and what it did to me but it was probably the most draining year of my life getting it out um I love this book to death like it really means the world to me and it's why I've gone out to do open mics and stuff now because I would really love to bring it to life and be able to explain the stories that went behind them because I think there's some really really fun stuff behind some of them and but to get here was the most draining experience um so many traumatic experiences with people essentially um people that i've seen people that i've lost people that mm. were meant to be with me forever but they're not and i think people don't always ex understand just how much poetry writers have to go through to get the right the writing to even exist um but we've made it and it's out <laughs> we've gone <laughs> through that um and now i can get to read them and be happy about the process and the products that have come out of it but to mm. get to where we are it was an exhausting experience too when you say it was draining was it the writing itself or maybe the editing and getting it out like how was that for you i, th I think it was the experiencing of what i've written uh, written about um for me writing's always been the easiest part of it um mm. because it's just <laughs> going back to like feeling too much and just exploding it out for me writing just it can come out quite easily, but in order to get to that point, I have to experience it um, to have that inspiration to write about. And some of the experiences were the most mentally exhausting things that I've ever dealt with my entire life. And But that ended up becoming another inspiration for the book. It's just more mistakes that I had to put myself through to get through them and get them out. Um, I think the book has kind of now just become like a memorabilia of the early 20s. Um, because it's funny because you're 21 so they're I know very yeah 20s. it's a very early 20s <laughs> but I've always said to people that I've always felt a lot more mature than my age and um like physically I definitely am 21 but mentally I've always felt at least 26 I've always been a mm -hmm. bit ahead of myself um 
And yeah, it's just Baby Teeth just ended up becoming like a little commemoration of my early 20s. And I'd heard from so many people that the 20s are about mistakes and it's about like learning about yourself and discovering all that sort of, sort of stuff more so than your puberty years are. Mm-hmm. And then I actually got to my, when I turned 20 and I was like, oh yeah, they were not joking. This is mm-hmm. <laughs> this is some real stuff and it's only been a year. Um, but at least I've got a book to keep me company as I go through it. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a line somewhere where you say a decade of pain or something like this. Yeah. And yeah. Is, you're, you're referring to your 20s already? And it's, like I said, it's been one year. <laughs> Absolutely. It's already been a year. And I'm like, wow, I've got another nine to go through. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make it through that? But but it can, there's kind of a parallel there with the 2020s as well, right? Like yeah. so yeah. far, the 2020s have been... Kind of the insane, years, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When um, we were celebrating, you know, twenty twenty, like New Year's, mm-hmm. New Year's we Eve, no we idea. were like, yeah, great, yeah. new decade. Who would have thought three I, months I later? I have a poem called Two Years Later. Uh-huh. It's all about the freaking pain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it feels like it's never ending. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, it's already been two years. Yeah, already getting to the halfway point of the year. So, yeah, it's mad how quickly time has flown by with just how mad everything has been in general but mm. what's important is the process but i don't think your 20s will be like all years of pandemic you know yeah no that's very true it just started that way but the rest of it yeah. should be an easy breeze <laughs> and um you've you've brought a poem as well from I the collection indeed. yeah yeah, yeah. which um it's interesting which can i ask a question before we read yeah, the other poem so. yeah go for it so you like self-published yes the book. Did. why yeah. did you decide to go for self-publishing i think creative control has always been the most important thing for me and um not to like reiterate the taylor swift of the poetry society and how she's re-recording all her stuff now because people have taken control of her work but i don't want other people to kind of have power over the words that i'm choosing to express and what i want to put out into the world um so for me being able to do it by myself, besides the fact that it makes me feel really fulfilled that I was able to even do that, but it also just gives me all the power to decide exactly what poem I want, where I want it to be, how I want it to be, and be able to design the cover myself as well. And So you, you designed it yourself? Everything has been done myself, yeah, everything that nice you see cover. in the book. Thank you. Um, and that it makes me feel creatively fulfilled. It makes me feel happy that I've been able to yeah. make it come I to life myself. I find it great that you have the the confidence because <laughs> I feel like many times, or maybe that's how I experience it, if you get approached by a publisher or you get published, mm-hmm. it's like a bit more official. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like you just like, no, I want to keep the control. Absolutely, I think. And it's a better thing yeah. than if you were published by someone else. Yeah. And I find that a really interesting take because it's not coming. Okay. It's really not, and I have looked into publishers before because with a publisher you get a lot more marketing as well. So obviously you're gonna be, yeah. you can have sell a lot more copies, and that makes makes you great money. But at the end of the day, it's not yeah. about that. I've never wrote poetry for money, and I'm not going to do that now. Mm. Um, and I think I'm trying to make an example for myself that. You don't have to be official because you've had a publisher. You can be. You can publish your own book and yeah. still be as official as you want it to be. And of course, the the main example is Rupi Kaur. Yeah. She self-published yeah. her first book because she's been rejected mm-hmm. by all the publishers, mm-hmm. and now they've all Look been after her. her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now she she's blew up on she social media. She blew up by then. just by just selling her own stuff. Absolutely. And now she's probably 
the most popular poet. Yeah, definitely. Mainstream she poet has out a world there. tour of poetry, exactly. which has never happened. The before, goal that a lot of people would reach to yeah. or want to reach to. Um, and I think she's really. I mean, we talked to her about her like a couple in other episodes as well, but I yeah. think she really opened up uh, opportunities Doors, for poets. Doors, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, I think she definitely made pe- a lot more people feel comfortable with doing it themselves as well. And, you know, I'm obviously not to Ripiko level, but it just being able to do it and the baby steps of like being able to sell it at Lush Brighton, for example, is mm. massive to me. Just being able to walk into so a store. So how did that come then? The most random conversation, I was I was sat with my manager um, and I said that when the book's published, I'm going to bring a copy for the store to have just yeah. in the back of the house. Because you, you work at Lush. I yeah. do indeed, yeah. Um, and I just thought that it would be a copy for everyone to have in the back when they're on their breaks or on the bathroom, I don't know, um, to read <laughs> and <laughs> just a little magazine to scroll through. And then she looked to me, she said, you know, we can sell it in the store, right? And I was like, mm. what do you mean? And she said, we can make that happen. And I was like, please send me an email like ASAP because I would love for this to happen. Mm. And this was, I'd already announced the book and stuff. And this was two months to go until it dropped um, on Amazon. And when she offered that, she told me that I'd basically make the full royalties off of it. Whereas this is something that I'm going to let people know as well in case they are looking into Amazon publishing. As much as it has made my life easy with being able to self-publish, um, they, keeps on the they make a lot of the royalties. Where So online I sell it for eleven ninety nine, and I make five sixty of it and the rest of it goes to Jeff Bezos' pocket. Yeah, <laughs> which is a lot. Which is a lot. For whereas, doing all the work. Exactly. Whereas in the store, and I'm very open about it, I sell it for nine ninety nine, and I make nine eighty two of it, and the rest of that goes. But how do you print it then? Um, Amazon. So I sell. I order my author's copies from Amazon, and they only charge me like a pound eighty for okay. a copy. Um, so there's a difference then. You don't just buy it like. Yeah, yeah. So I I order in bulk, like mm. a big um stock, and give it over to Lush and they yeah. put it out for me yeah but i get to make that back the royalties quite quickly because say if i order 10 copies i pay like 20 pounds for it and if i if i sell two copies from the store that's the 20 pounds made back yeah. instantly also um, it's, a, it's a great like kind of business model <laughs> absolutely i did gcse yeah. business <laughs> uh, i think it's great to talk about that on the show because yeah. i think many people want to you know get published absolutely. and have their work out but we don't always know how to and people kind of keep it secret all these things like there's no reason to i don't think like obviously everyone's got their formulas and stuff but at the end of the day like everyone's got a voice that wants to be heard and they don't know how to make that happen um but yeah for a lot of people amazon is a great venture to have and with my first book traditional kids it was only available on amazon because i didn't no one offered for me to have it physically sold and it still um made me some money but um this is just a completely different thing and it's more about the being able to walk into my store and see it looking at me mm. and be like that's my thing and being able to talk to customers about it. i'd be like by the way if you're interested in poetry i wrote this has there been other poets that came to lush there since? has been <laughs> yeah there has been people that have come in um that have been interested in it. i've been able to sell some <laughs> the weirdest one was someone that i've never met in my life was like could you sign the copy for me and i was like that's very sweet considering i'm not famous in any <laughs> sort of way at all um but she was like i'm gonna buy it for my daughter if you could sign it for me that'd be great and yeah just a lot of fun experience it's been nice to talk to people about it physically um when you blow up we're gonna have office <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that is 
hands yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been it's been a journey independently publishing it, but mm. I wouldn't trade it for anything else. It's been very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to read your poem? Yes, absolutely. Um, to kind of, I mean, would you like me to tell you about the poem before or after? After reading it. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my call, Tom. Yeah. You happy? Yeah. Yeah. Happy to do it after. Yeah. Uh, this one's called Skinned. Therapeutic muses, electrical impulses, unwrapped and naked. I'm skinned down to fluids. Through my half-shut eyes, I see bones of myself broken outside. They've got cracks running like veins and no blood, and the organs wounded, heart strings too strong to play a note. But there's no fear, no pain. I'm at peace with the noises. I know I'm healing because I'm purple and pulsating. And at least I'm feeling. Pain or pleasure doesn't matter. Pinching my skin, red patches forming. I'm so grateful for the spiritual awakening. So, Skinned is actually, it's hard to choose a favorite from the book because they're all my little children, but um, I think Skinned marked a very important part in my life for me because I wrote that one through, so the book is put into chapters because there's a narrative that follows through it, and Skinned marks the chapter where I start to heal a little bit. And, and a lot of people don't know this about me, but I actually, I'm a very lucid dreamer, um, extremely lucid sometimes. I'll have about seven to eight dreams a night and they can be a bit crazy sometimes and I never feel rested because I wake up, I'm like, great, it feels like I've been awake for the last <laughs> eight hours. Um, but Skinned was a dream that I wrote, uh, it was a dream that I wrote a poem out of. Um, so I remember specifically dozing away and kind of visioning my body as this, really broken, purple, bruised kind of embodiment. And I could see it kind of having the cracks be healed up and stitched up a little bit. And before I could drift off, off completely to full sleep, I got back up and wrote this poem on my apps, um, on my notes app. And it didn't really change it stayed as, as its first draft I didn't really want to change it anymore because it mm. has a bit of like a sleepy wander to it and, and it's just how it was written so I didn't want to change it around again um, but yeah I've written a couple poems before from dreams and going to sleep but this one's probably my favorite because of just what it meant to me at that point in my life um, yeah it just marks a very healing point that I very desperately needed at that time mm. yeah it's interesting you mentioned about your performing style of mm. your poetry as well you said you felt when you went to perform last night mm. uh, you so you, you said you felt almost like a pressure to kind of ham it up a little bit camp mm -hmm. it up you said mm -hmm. um can you talk about that a little bit yeah absolutely um i think i've watched a lot of spoken word performances in the past and wanted to be a part of that and everyone's always very theatrical and um boisterous and loud and fun and as much as that is my daily daily life I am a loud person I do like to make jokes and I like to just be a bit more on tongue-in-cheek and playful when it comes to my poetry it, for me it's always been a bit more serene and storytelling almost because um, something that I 
love to talk about when it comes to my poetry is that I always tell a story and baby teeth is a concept that all the poems in the in the book bring together um and because of that narrative element to it it's always been more of like a let me just sit down on a stool and be able to tell you this story rather than recite it in a more um not campy essentially but theatrical theatrical dramatic way exactly um so there was definitely a pressure of like seeing everyone be so authentically themselves in their own performance aspects. So I was like, I'm, I know I'm not going to be like that. It's just not how I work. But it was nice to see it sit well with people. And it's, it looked like people enjoyed themselves with my set. And that's all that mattered to me. Mm. Um, I believe I, I, I've never performed any of my writing. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine that I would feel the same way mm-hmm. when it came to performing it live as well. Yeah. Because you do feel there's a kind of seriousness there where you you kind of want to pay it the respect you yeah. don't want to kind of yeah make yeah. it like it is a uh, joke or mm-hmm. something but mm-hmm. you know like you say everybody's poetry is different everybody's approach is different and, yeah uh, other people's poems are sometimes have more humorous element mm-hmm. to them have a more happy fun element to them so definitely know, whatever the voice that suits the poem you know? absolutely and you know I'm definitely a sad poet. <laughs> I was literally just gonna say that, like, I very rarely have I written a happy poem. Like, it's, it's something that I. The thing is, though, I don't consider Baby Teeth a sad book. Um, I think it stems from sad experiences, but I think ultimately it is about growth and healing. It's about wisdom. It's about wisdom, exactly. <laughs> um, it's about what you learn afterwards. So I don't really think it's a sad book, but it always all my stuff that I write does stem from sad experiences um, Mm. that sometimes I try to sugarcoat and make into more happier um, moments but because of the sadness that it comes from it for me like reciting it it I do channel some of that sadness because it does remind me of where it came from so I can't just Mm. make it theatrical because it doesn't feel true to the experience the the word that comes to my mind for some reason is rejoicing. Mm, yeah. It's kind of a rejoicing of having gone through that and reclamation and become something yeah. bigger, stronger. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's an aspect of poetry of like the the older people have all the wisdom and there's a lot of like mm-hmm. oral storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, in history. It's like doing that to yourself. Yeah. To your own your own experience yeah and have that step back and say i'm the wise voice <laughs> i mean of course there's so many different ways of doing poetry mm-hmm. and i think in the spoken word scene it can be very different but there's definitely an aspect of poetry which is like that absolutely i think mm-hmm. the beauty of the poetry scene should be that everyone does their techniques so differently and everyone does their performance aspects so differently and um that should be celebrated everyone has their own thing it would be kind of reductive if everyone got up on the stage and did the same mm. performance aspect over and over again with just different words. Um, but I think something that I really liked about last night at the Foundry was that there was quite a few different styles very apparent from everyone that performed. I was actually very surprised that it was your first spoken word <laughs> event. <laughs> I, Where were you? <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I think... Because you had a book out yes. before, yes. and this is your second book. Yeah. And you're in Brighton. And I'm in Brighton, yeah. What happened? <laughs> I think nerves always get the best of me, and um, I think in the past I've always felt too shy and nervous to do it and speak out about it. But 
I'm a firm believer of my mind and heart knows when it's time to do something. Um, and I've always followed that instinct since I was really young. And all my big decisions I've made in life from moving out to what uni I'm going to, to what course I'm studying has all stemmed from just a guttural feeling of this is what I should be doing. And I didn't have that feeling about reciting my poems before. So I never thought about it at all. Mm. Um, and then doing an open mic was literally a decision I made. I'm not even joking, like three weeks ago. Mm. Um, I was just sat in the car um, with a friend and I was just like, I think I want to do this. I think something feels like it's time. And this book means the world to me. And I would, I just wanted to do nothing more than tell the story of it. Um, so seeing your newsletter, which everyone should be subscribing to. Um, we haven't paid him for that. <laughs> <laughs> this is completely... What's it called? <laughs> Poetry to your inbox? Yeah. That's the one. Um, hashtag not spons. <laughs> 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 um, but seeing that come through, it, it at the exact time that I was considering doing it, it was just, it felt like the right time to do it. And I was very proud of myself last night because it was the first time that I was able to go on stage and not be nervous. I think that's the calmest that I've ever felt in front of people. Mm. Um that for me was more important than actually reading the poems itself. Um, so now I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to do more. Yeah, <laughs> Get me we out. hope to see you at more Spoken Word Absolutely, events. let's do so it. So you're next at Queer the Mic. Yes, yeah. On the July 21st. Mm-hmm. And where can we find you? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be at the Brunswick um, with, I believe it's going to be seven other queer poets that night, um, headlined by Afo the Poet. Um, I believe tickets are online um, I'd link in my bio on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> if and what's you'd like your to come out, it's his name is Dot Ali. Um, yeah, it's gonna be really exciting. It's gonna be fun to just be able to be in a room with other queer poets in specific, mm-hmm. just because um, that's its own little niche, and it's gonna be mm-hmm. fun to hear everyone else's experiences of how they've dealt with their lives and what stories they've got to tell. And of um, course, it's co-organized by One Inky Queer, who we had on the po- on the podcast, absolutely. and we had Afro the Poet on yeah. the podcast as well. Yeah, yeah. So please listen to the previous episode. Absolutely, you're probably going to see a lot more lush people again on <laughs> in July because okay. Afro has very close relationships with lush as well, <laughs> 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 and we've met a couple times. Yeah. And we can find your book at Lush. Absolutely, yeah. And on Amazon, but uh, please buy it at Lush. But if, if you're, you're in Brighton. Brighton Lush Brighton's the place or to be. Or maybe do you do orders like if people contact you or you can send them? I've been thinking about doing that recently. Um, so TBA. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep in touch on the Instagram of the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, our Instagram is at Fletch TV. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so for having nice me. I've had so much fun being able to just share the little wonders of baby teeth yeah yeah great conversation thank you for listening and see you next time see you next time je regarde l'autre côté de la rue mon regard est accroché par deux femmes qui discutent sous la pluie et je dois être excité oui mais il faut dissimuler je dois attendre que ça se passe